gathered together from the cosmic reaches of the universe here in this great hall of justice. Superheroes have to be around other superheroes. You know what I mean? That's the Hall of Justice is more about them just commiserating about their powers and less about them like actually fighting crime. So what uh what is this place anyway? Is this some type of fancy DMV? Are you kidding? It's the Hall of Justice. Seth Everett is the best there is at what he does, bub. And what he does is the Hall of Justice podcast. Go, go, go with a smile. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of the Hall of Justice. We have had some heavy hitters. Uh, I know we, we try to mix it up between reviews and guests, uh, but the guests that we have had... Uh, first, the two-part episode with Michael Uslan, uh, the executive producer of every Batman live-action movie from Michael Keaton to Robert Pattinson. And then, of course, sandwiched in between that, Mike Lasker, uh, the visual effects supervisor of Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. And just last week, we had Lauren Lester, who was Robin in the classic Batman the Animated Series. So we had some heavy hitters. Before that, we reviewed... Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, Transformers Rise of the Beast, and the Flash movie, which we panned. Uh, but now we're going back to Marvel and uh, the latest installment of Secret Invasion. That is part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And of course, we're going to do that today. So the, the warning is out there. Spoilers. Uh, if you've never listened to this podcast before, we warn you, go watch the show first, then come back, listen to the podcast for that. Uh, joining me today is an old pal of mine, uh, longtime radio personality, uh, my pal, David Brody. We've known each other for close to 10 years now. Uh, he is the co-host of the Brooklyn Boys podcast. We'll ask him to tell me about that as well. But David is a Marvel nut as uh, well, and he is kind enough to join us here uh, as well. David it's great to welcome you back for this. I hope Secret Invasion was worth the six hours that you had to spend prepping for this. Welcome to the Hall of Justice podcast. Uh, it's great to be here. I, I I watched episode six earlier today. Normally, I watch the episodes late at night with the lights off and the surround sound system on. Yeah, but I watched it in broad daylight today, so it took a little bit of the ambiance away. Uh, but I wanted to be prepared, and uh, I have lots of thoughts. Uh, I, I have lots of thoughts in comparison to previous Marvel shows and whether or not uh, Bob Iger has been right about things. So uh, fire away. I'm, I'm, I'm raring to go. You know, it's funny. This is the first time we're talking Marvel since Iger's comments and uh, Iger uh, went on CNBC of all places. You'd think he would, would go on a, on a Disney owned property. He, you know, he'd go on an ABC station, but uh, he went on CNBC and he talked about an oversaturation and, Quite frankly, I, I think that's a load of crap. Um, there, it's not an oversaturation because Marvel easily passes the eye test. And when something's great, we all know it. And when something is less than, we all know it. And it's not a question of too much of something. It's too much crap. That's the problem. And 
you know, for Bob Iger, this is my speculation. I think Bob Iger doesn't watch these things or doesn't watch them the way you and I watch them. And I think what he sees is bottom lines. And you know what? Doctor Strange underperformed. Guardians underperformed. Thor underperformed. These movies, Ant-Man underperformed. These movies underperformed because they sucked. And when I say sucked, they weren't awful. You know, if you go back in the podcast, we reviewed all of them. They were all okay, but they were all majorly, majorly flawed. And if you look at the difference between Marvel movies, when the the MCU was few and far between in the days before Disney Plus, there were some gems. Captain America, Winter Soldier, Civil War, the first Thor movie. They, you, you talk about some great movies. Forgetting the Avengers, and you forget Infinity War and Endgame, which were absolute classics. It's not because of oversaturation. That is absolute nonsense. It's the quality of the movie. That's all it is. Make better movies, not less movies. Bob Iger's dead wrong. Well, uh, wow, that was a lot. So I'll disagree with you on Guardians of the Galaxy 3. I think that was... No, it was good. You're right. Yeah, I don't want to lump it in with the other ones. Um, I will say that there may have been oversaturation in terms of spreading the CGI department too thin and maybe rushing them. So again, I don't think it's oversaturation as much as you put out a bad product. So look, if if you want to make them all look better, then delay them all until they all look good, and then you could release 100 TV shows. But they rushed them all because they're like, oh, we got to build up Disney+. Plus. They rushed all the shows. That was their choice to do that. They rushed the product. It wasn't about oversaturation. And if it was, then that's a temporary thing. Slow down for, for a few months like they're doing now. Now now there's a strike, so you really you can't win. But let's say there wasn't. You could then do six shows at a time, do them slowly, make sure the plots make sense, and you wouldn't have a problem with oversaturation. But She-Hulk, the, the CGI was terrible in spots. But 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 I don't think the CGI is the problem with She-Hulk. No, no, the, but I'm the, saying... The it, problem with criticize... She-Hulk is the story. Oh, terrible. The fact that and they... And the could... self-deprecating and the making fun of their own characters yeah. is, 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 is the issue with, with, with She-Hulk. And again, that always comes down to story. It would... would... In the in the 340 episodes of this podcast, it always comes down to 100 percent. Yes, there's, a, there's an old adage in this in this show. Ryan Reynolds was great as Green Lantern. It's not his fault. He fought a cloud. Mm. Yeah, that's, fair enough. The issue. Uh, look, my problem with She-Hulk was not the CGI. I'm only bringing it up because a lot of experts have said the oversaturation caused the awful CGI in Ant-Man that they didn't have the time. They were rushing projects. But as far as the the plot. A hundred percent. Multiverse of Madness was moronic. They didn't explain why She-Hulk over kids she didn't even have. She could have gone to a universe that had Scarlet no Scarlet Witch. Witch. Scarlet Witch. Scarlet Witch. Scarlet Witch. Sorry. Well, yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Scarlet Witch could have gone to any of the multiverse universes where the kids had no mother, where Scarlet Witch died and just adopted the kids. She <laughs> killed superheroes. It was out of character. Didn't make any sense. And the whole movie, there wasn't a multiverse. There was one other multiverse, one other universe. That was all we saw. A couple of snippets in a montage. There was there was the whole multiverse of madness. There was no multiverse. There was no madness. And then you killed everybody. Terrible movie. Uh, the, the last Thor movie, 
uh, I, I liked thirty percent of it. It was jokey. It, it, it was, was jokey. Thirty percent of it was great. You had a chance to tie it into all the other continuity, and you didn't. And yeah, it, it, it's a missed opportunity. Let Let's go to Secret Invasion and kind of kind of put a pin in this and revisit it because okay. Secret Invasion supposedly sets up a lot of the future, and and that's all part of it. Here's my biggest question when it comes to Nick Fury. Um, well, there's there's two. Nick Fury uh, comes back to Earth. Okay, we we knew that he was gone. We knew that Talos was was subbing for him, and and that Nick Fury comes back to stop this invasion of Skrulls, and that's all well and good. The Avengers are not all gone, and a lot of the Avengers are still active. Like they're they're not all disappeared like first of all the hulk is on earth because he's helping she hulk and so for something as grand as this superhero crossovers run into this problem a lot and i i'll reference the flash tv show the flash tv show did a remarkable job of not ever think making you think god i wish superman and batman were here because the stakes are so high but Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. used to always make you say, where the hell is Tony Stark? Right. This seemed like if you're Nick Fury, why aren't you trying to find Avengers to help you? Why are what? you taking all this on your own when you are older and you're clearly not at your physical peak? Well, I mean, we know in the real world he didn't do it because of money, time and production costs and all that. But in the ep in the show, I don't know if it was when he was talking to Rhodey in the bar, he he gave the only he did address it right. The, the one of the and we'll talk about this later. But one of the things I hated about the Eternals was that, why didn't they why did they help with the snap and why had well no but also why why were there no Avengers when they when they had those alien monsters running around the streets <laughs> of London on television they went made it a point to show it was on television. <laughs> then you have a celestial come out of the ocean. Nobody's addressed that in countless movies now. So the only way to explain that is if they're in another dimension, if they're in a different universe where the Avengers don't exist. Now, Nick Fury said, I don't want to call in the Avengers because then the Skrulls will impersonate them and make them look bad and then get blamed for crimes or whatever. I got to imagine the writers could have come up with a better reason for not calling the Avengers. And granted, Thor is off wherever he is and Captain America is old. I understand the Avengers aren't the Avengers right now. But hey, certainly we're not going for the 18. We're not going right. for the 18. But... I'm sure you could get the Falcon who's now Captain America. Right. Right. Hey, could you take a train down to the Washington, D.C. area James or whatever? Rhodes, but, and James Rhodes is War Machine. And, you know, he he, he doesn't know in the beginning that he's a scroll. Spoilers. He, right. You, you don't know that he's a he's a scroll. hundred percent. You know, one of the things that that I was reading after I saw episode six is just exactly when did James Rhodes get kidnapped and get impersonated? Like a lot sooner than this show. Well, and it is possible that yeah. James Rhodes wasn't there for Tony Stark's funeral. And because the, the big funeral... thing is, why are Rhodey's legs not operable? Because of the spinal injury he sustained in Civil War, 
Is it and because then he, he's he been in that little pod for such a long time? Did he not complete the rehab? When was he replaced by a right? Now, if you look at the funeral scene, he whispers something to um. Happy. Oh God, uh, what's Stark's friend's name? Happy Hogan. Happy Hogan, right? He whispers something to Happy Hogan, who then whispers something back to him. Now, I don't know if that if that in that scene, Happy Hogan's a scrawl, and they're they're both comparing notes. I I don't know, but I've never no, noticed. But Happy they Hogan before. dates Aunt May. Right, hundred percent. Yeah, well, not anymore. He doesn't. Spoiler. Right, because Peter Parker's a dumbass. He's a dumbass. So look, there was a scene um, with uh, Falcon. I'm gonna call him Falcon, but you know, Falcon and Rhodey, where they were talking about the struggles of black people in America, and that's a very different conversation if one of them wasn't a black man. And so I, I, I wonder. Very I, true. That's very I, true. I, I, I would hope. Yeah, right. I would hope for the sake of. This continuity. continuity that it was after that, because if that was a scroll talking, you've ruined an amazing scene. Yeah, I, I have to imagine it happened after that. I have to imagine it happened after Falcon and the Winter Soldier. That's what I'm going to hope for, because uh, Everett Ross, when he woke up in episode six, he said, you know, you've been here a really long time, which means when they dragged Everett Ross in, he must have seen Rhodey was already attached to that machine, which means Everett Ross was Everett Ross in Black Panther 2. Right. Which made sense. He acted like Everett Ross. He may only recently have been um, uh, replaced by a scroll when and he I, makes the appearance in episode one of this show. Right now, I would I would imagine in in um, Iron Wars we'll find out when Rhodey Armor you know, was Armor Wars rather. Yeah, sorry. When Armor Wars happens, we'll find out at some point when he was replaced because he'll say it. He's 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 in the movie, right? It's got to come up. Right. Um. I I don't think it was the funeral. I think it was after Falcon and the Winter Soldier. For that reason, I think if you retcon that scene, you're doing a huge disservice to what that scene meant. So that's that's my theory. Hopefully they don't change it. That's a great point. That's a a very important point. But you just brought up a great point. Why didn't Nick Fury ask him to be War Machine? Right. Why wouldn't Rhodey? Rhodey would have been like, oh, I'll be War Machine. I'll go save the president as War Machine. But instead, he he didn't save him. And then the ending. Uh, I mean, can we talk about the ending real quick? We jump ahead. Yeah, yeah, we're not doing episode by episode. Good. So President Rickson, who we already know is getting replaced by Thunderbolt Ross as the president and becomes the Red Hulk, yada, yada, yada. We know he's not going to have a second term. In fact, at one point, uh, Fury, Fury says, says to him, you, you've guaranteed yourself a one-term president. Right. What I don't understand is a man that was unsure to make a decision against the Russians. He lacked the confidence to be a leader and and be decisive. He knows he was rescued by a scroll. A scroll saved his life. Why would you then, except for the you needed for the plot, why would that character then have a war on scrolls? You're basically unleashing mercenaries who they later showed killed civilians. They killed the, the prime minister they, of England. Because they because they think that because they think that right. right. And and he wouldn't change his mind. I he didn't seem like the guy. He didn't seem like um Oh, what's the guy's name from the X Men? Um, who uh, who wanted to register all of them? Was oh, uh, uh, Trask. Yeah, Trask. Trask is the kind of guy who would do that. Okay, war on all scrolls, war on all mutants, whatever. Yep. Rickson doesn't strike me as that, and I think they just wrote that to give controversy and to forward the advance the plot. But it didn't make sense for that president to say that after he knows his life was saved. Meaning all scrolls aren't bad. We killed the bad guy. Gaia is a good a good guy. She killed him, and they they want to stay here. Let's 
assimilate them, but that didn't happen. So it didn't make sense to me. People often ask me, how do I keep motivated? And uh, how do I keep my spirits up? Well, things are, are moving forward instead of backwards. I think every neuroscientist in the world, if you lined them all up and ask them the same question, can the spinal cord be repaired, they'd say yes. That is the voice of Christopher Reeve. Whether this is your first time ever hearing the Hall of Justice or you've listened to over 300 of the episodes that we've put together since this podcast was created in 2015, the superhero genre owes a great deal to the role Christopher Reed played as Superman. Partnering with the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation is an honor for the Hall of Justice podcast. In 1995... The accomplished actor was paralyzed after being thrown from a horse during an equestrian competition. After his accident, he lobbied for spinal injury research, and that led the man who once played Superman to the foundation that bears his name. Here's the origin story from the foundation's CEO, Maggie Goldberg. So when Christopher Reeve was injured in 1995, he was looking at all of the other organizations in the country and really around the world. Um, and there weren't that many that were searching for cures and treatments for spinal cord injury. And what he loved about our organization at the time, which was the American Paralysis Association, is that we were funding research. We, we Our mission and sort of theme was considered a laboratory without walls. We wanted to fund the best research no matter where it was in the world. And one of the other parts of the mission was bringing researchers together and to share information, which wasn't really something that was done at the time. Researchers you know, can be very competitive. They hold their information close to the best. So I think that's what really drew him um, most to this organization. The Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation is dedicated to curing spinal cord injury by advancing innovative research and improving the quality of life for individuals and families impacted by paralysis. We are on the cusp of a new era in spinal cord injury, where real cures are within reach. The Reeve Foundation serves as a catalyst at this critical moment, uniting academics, scientists, and industry in a new model of collaboration. The Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation is really the only national paralysis foundation focused on a dual mission. Today's care, tomorrow's cure. We are searching for cures and treatments for spinal cord injury, paralysis caused by spinal cord injury, but we also provide services and programs for people impacted by all types of mobility impairments. So when you think about paralysis, it's not just spinal cord injury, it's stroke, ALS, MS, um, in addition to spinal cord injury. And we're here to really help people navigate their journey through paralysis, whether or not they were diagnosed or impacted from you know, yesterday, 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. This partnership is not the only tie Christopher Reeve has had with this podcast, even though it was created 11 years after his passing in 2004. In the 1970s at Juilliard, Christopher Reeve was good friends with Kevin Conroy. Little did they know then that while Christopher Reeve would be the embodiment of Superman, Kevin Conroy would be known 
as the voice of Batman. And Kevin was kind enough to come on this podcast during his illustrious career five times. Tragically, Dana Reeve passed away in 2006, and the foundation was renamed the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation. I asked CEO Maggie Goldberg how listeners of the Hall of Justice podcast can participate and help the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation. There are many ways to get involved. The easiest is to go to our website at ChristopherReeve.org. You can also follow us on social media. Our handle is at Reeve Foundation. Um, there, you could become an advocate. You can run a marathon and join Team Reeve. You can become a fundraiser. You can help us spread the word. You can become a volunteer. All of that is outlined at ChristopherReeve.org, and we invite you to become part of our family. In the weeks and months to come, we are going to organize some walks and some activities that can raise money for the Christopher and Dana Reeve Foundation. But for now, if you are hearing this for the first time, the fifth time, or the tenth time, go to ChristopherReeve.org. Get the newsletter and find resources in your area. I'd like to think that if we had this podcast in the time that Christopher Reeve was alive, he'd want to be a part of it. He'd want to be a part of the show, and he'd want us to spread the word about this foundation. Thanks to you, the listeners, we are going to do that. I think in order to accomplish something, somebody has to go out there and put out a vision that makes it seem more real, more tangible. I thought was a better villain than Kang in both Loki and Ant-Man and Quantumania. Mm. And it's not, it's, I'm not talking about the off the camera stuff. No, 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 no. Guilty. We don't know. And he hasn't been recast and we don't know what's going on. This is not an Ezra Miller situation. I don't know. We, no. We, we, everything is up in the air. If they have to recast him, they'll recast him. We don't know. That right. But as far as villain to villain, right. Villain thought, to villain, yep. Ravik was compelling. He held my attention. Every time you saw him, you didn't know what he was going to say or do. When he kills one of his own soldiers, when she, when he challenged him, why didn't you kill Fury when you had the chance? Uh, I think that's episode five. And he like stretches out his arm. And it's funny because they can't do real stretching because they haven't introduced Mr. Fantastic. Right. They replaced the Fantastic Four with all the powers. Right. Fire and stretching right. and right. power. Yep. Right. That was brilliant on their part. So it can't look like that, but that's that's fine. But he did it and he, he came out of nowhere. Um, the scenes where he confronts Tal- uh, Talos was brilliant. I, I, I mean, some brilliant acting and the confrontation with Fury, even though now you find out it's not Fury in the in the finale. Yep. was also great. Mm-hmm. I Gravik who now becomes super scroll is fan freaking tastic and that's a bad guy and you know we 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 we've talked about again people talk all the time bringing back the earlier conversation about this slump that marvel's in and it's bad guys and it's it, it's the it's the threat of the bad guy wandavision had a legitimate bad guy mm-hmm. 
Falcon and the Winter Soldier had a legitimate bad guy. Hawkeye had a legitimate bad guy. Loki didn't. Didn't. Yeah, but I loved Loki. Loved it because because the I, time the time I liked it, Loki. I didn't love Loki. Okay, I, I I loved it for the way it was written. It was like watching Back to the Future too. No, they everything... sat on a train six feet apart. It was filmed during COVID. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, it's a yes. whole episode where they talk. I, 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 Loki's great. Loki's greatest thing is he has this honorable death in Infinity War. He he does not need to be back there. And I I get it. Hiddleston's a superstar, and you wanted to bring him back. To me, that's excess. Well, I think he, I think it's going to play in heavily with uh, Deadpool three. Maybe. Um, I, there was no at the time variance authority was obviously the villain. Uh, I will tell you, I loved he who remains. I thought his smugness and his charisma was fantastic. I thought Jonathan Majors was not as good as Kang. And I'll tell you, I, you're right about Gravik because Gravik was a bad guy who, first of all, did a great job of explaining why he was a bad guy, yep. how he became a bad guy, yep. why he's justified to be a bad guy. Yep. But he actually did bad guy things. He yep. blew shit up. He killed his own people. Uh, he was, exactly. right? Kang is this all-powerful guy, and Ant-Man beat him up. Yeah. The weakest Avenger beat him up. Yep. That's not a bad guy to me. Although, Th- Thanos guy's the weakest Avenger. Ah. Uh, yeah, okay. But but if, if Ant-Man is, yeah, I guess because he gets big. Yeah. Okay. Hawkeye physically is the weakest. Ant-Man's I close. I, I, no, I but he, be, he beat him, right? At least with Thor, when Thor was beating up Thanos, he lost, right? Yep. He, he should have gone for that. should have gone for the head. Yep. And that's what a villain, a villain wins occasionally. Yep. Kang didn't do anything. And, and plus, you make him out to evil, then you want me to think Kang's not that bad. He could, you know, there's other worse Kangs. So this Kang is actually pretty good. Yep. Uh, I don't want a pretty good guy. I want a bad guy who's evil, just maybe a little less evil, but don't make him noble. And he didn't do a good job of explaining his nobility. He didn't do a good job explaining that to uh, the original uh, Wasp, you know, uh, Jane, uh, Janet Van Dyne. He, you know, he could have said, listen, listen, I know you saw some horrible things, but here's why I did it. He didn't. He didn't do any of that. He was terrible. So I agree with you. That was a big flaw, and it's all about the villain. I thought Gravik was terrific. Terrific. And I don't know if he's dead or not. Right. Right. And it's comic books, so you never know. You know, you could bring you could bring him back easily. Yeah. Yeah. Although imagine powers. if imagine if Nick Fury was in that last scene, then he would be a super soldier. What would what right. what was the motivation? If you're Gravik. Regardless of whether it was Gaia or Fury, why would you turn the machine on and give your opponent all of the same powers? You wanted Nick Fury dead. Kill him and then do what you want. Yeah, no, that's weird. That was if that weird. was Nick, Nick would have been Nick would have been a super scroll. Well, one of the things soldier. about the scrolls that I didn't understand is how do they not know each other? How how do they fool each other? It's a weird race if you could fool each other. And they did. They tricked. They they all tricked each other a bunch. You'd think they could sense it or, or have a scent or something. The only thing I could think of with the machine, I just posed my own question, is maybe that machine was designed only to work on scrolls, so he didn't think it would work on Nick. Maybe that's maybe that's the out. Maybe he didn't think Nick would absorb the DNA, and he thought it was okay. But as a scroll, if you know anyone can be a scroll, why would you initially? trust that Nick Fury is Nick Fury. You can't. 
right? You you know that there's all scrolls can do that. So I think to your point, the fact that they can't recognize each other, I think is a big problem because wouldn't you be suspicious it's not Nick Fury? Right. Wouldn't you have questioned him and said, what did you and I talk about the last time we spoke? Right. Or what did I say to you on the phone? I gave you a code word, right. something. Right. So, yeah, it's a good point. They can't tell each other. They, they right, they can fool each other. It's it's, it's strange. It, it's just strange how that happens, you know. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned COVID, that they filmed um, Loki during COVID. They filmed a large part of Secret Invasion during COVID, because if when they rolled the president into the hospital after he was attacked, yeah, there was one nurse and one doctor, and they rolled him down an empty hallway. Now, any hospital, no matter what time of day, would have... You have the president, you're going to have 76 people. Right. You'd have, you'd have 100 people. But yeah. because they filmed it during COVID, it's very sparse. And yeah, I that, that doesn't bother me. No, yeah. it just was weird in that scene because you it's the president and he's alone. It was all very weird. And then the Secret Service didn't show up at the, the hospital with him. And it was just him and, and a gurney. They didn't follow the car when he drove off with the president. There was no search. Uh, that part was weird, you know. Uh, just look plot holes. But overall, though, did you like the show? Overall, I, I, I found myself. Here's how I can quantify the answer to that question. Yes, I liked it. But. Unlike Falcon and the Winter Soldier, unlike Hawkeye and unlike WandaVision. I dropped everything to see the next episode. This, I saw it when I saw it. Okay. You know, the finale, I made sure I saw, like, you know, we record, we're recording this the day before the podcast release because when Disney Plus announced that they changed their release date to Wednesdays, we got a chance to review them right away. That was a Star Wars thing. You know, originally the, these things came out on Fridays and there was nothing we could do for the podcast. So right. I would watch them on Fridays. I would watch them Friday mornings because that's my early... For anybody who doesn't know my work schedule, Fridays are my easiest day. And I would watch Marvel stuff, you know, when they when they came out. You know, the, the issues that I had with WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier are minuscule compared to the issues I had with the later shows. And some of the shows, and this is where Iger's comments ring true, is I don't see how Moon Knight, Eternals, have anything to do with what we're we're building toward and that's what marvel's greatest strength is you know what i've always said since we started this podcast is every one of these things are chapters in a book that's what comic books are and when you read a book even a giant book like the mcu you're not going to love every chapter you know, if you read a book that has 25 chapters, if I said to you, did you love chapter 21? Eh, that wasn't my favorite chapter. Sure. I like I love chapter 15. Chapter 15 was my favorite. Oh, it's classic. That's Marvel. Right. That's what Marvel's done. They've created this continuity. And that's why as a completist, you have to watch everything. That's that, that's how you have to watch everything. That's why Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. counts. Inhumans counts. Uh, all of it, all the Netflix well, shows counts. They, oh, they're all in. 
They're all they all count and they're all in and it's all going somewhere. And now what you're starting to see, especially with Echo coming, you're starting to see some of those Netflix shows pay off. In phase five, Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania uh, is set in 2025 around the same time as events of Black Panther Wakanda Forever uh, and the beginning of Ms. Marvel. Uh, Secret Invasion is set 30 years after Captain Marvel, after the events of Far From Home and Wakanda Forever, and is placed after Quantumania. Okay. All right. Phase five. This is all phase five. Like I said, Secret Invasion held my attention. Uh, I thought they downplayed the death of Maria Hill. Oh, terribly. I thought that was really weak. It was done over with, and then it was only used as a blackmail point. Yeah, it was just done, and they went to credits, and they just moved on. I mean, I I thought Quicksilver died quickly uh, in the Marvel Universe, but this was, I mean, she clearly wanted off the show, didn't want any part of it anymore, because if she did, they would have found a way to bring her back. But they made it clear. They even like, oh, when he called and said, let's finish this thing in episode five, like maybe it's Maria Hill. Maybe she faked her death. Maybe, yeah, maybe they resuscitated her with some kind of super DNA or whatever. Now she's dead. Yeah, eh. no, she's gone. She's she. That's it. I mean, how long do these characters have to exist? You know, there was no appearance of Valentina Allegra de Fontaine. She wasn't in this. Nope. But she can still exist. You know, like Phil Coulson doesn't exist in any of this. That would have been weird. You know. Yeah, I, mean, I, that, I feel like they that's have to a way find a... that that's a way if if you want to shoehorn him in, you know, again, how does Thor not know he's alive? That I I don't know. Yeah. Well, uh. maybe after Secret Wars, when the multiverse gets reduced down, they will cherry pick who they want to be in the Marvel universe and Coulson will return somehow. Maybe. Because that's what they're gonna do. They're gonna retcon and they're gonna pick and choose who's going to be Captain America and who's going to be Iron Man. And they can, they've already established that it can be a different actor. And so they can just take, you know, Coulson from another dimension and plop him in here with similar memories and have the actor have a job again. They can do whatever they want. Once they do that, they've made that clear. They made that clear in Loki where there were different Lokis playing, you know, different actors playing Loki. There was an alligator. Uh, so right. I think we're open to anything. I would love to. I thought Coulson was a great character. Look, they may be they may be writing Nick Fury out because of his age, and they may need they may need Coulson to run Shield if they if they find a way to bring Coulson back in because they're clearly making it look like Nick Fury's lost a step, and he he may want to retire soon. His Avengers are gone. The ones he, he knew. He's going to retire with his uh, with his with his wife, Skrull wife. Yeah, because everybody's hunting Skrulls, and he wants to protect her. So he he wants to negotiate a settlement with the Cree so they can go back to space. Right. So is there a need for him going forward? I don't know. I, I mean, does he make it past? But he's in, he's in the Marvels. I mean, he's in, in the, the Marvels, Marvel. right. But does he make it past Secret Wars? But he's does... in the Marvels and the Marvels takes place after this. Right. I'm not saying he dies. I'm saying. Oh, no, I mean, I'm asking. I'm more asking. Is that true? Uh, yes. Yes, it takes place. Yes, he went up on the ship and that's it continues from him going up there. Which is how you knew he wasn't going to die in Secret Invasion because he's already in the next thing. Because he's in the next thing. He said the next thing. They could have they could have shown that movie trailer without him wow. and held off showing him. There was plenty to show about all the body swapping going on. Well, that's they... my now that's my now infamous criticism infamous criticism of Infinity War. <laughs> you know, 
Black Panther makes a billion dollars and they killed him. Oh, right. You know, he's not going to write. And, th- and and Marvel just wrestled the uh, the rights to Spider-Man away for for for, for years. And, they, they you know, they finally do it. And they killed they killed Spider-Man, too. Like, yeah. Who, well, you knew they'd have to come back. Besides that, you did you notice that everyone who died was a non-original Avenger? The original six Avengers from the first Avengers movie all somehow coincidentally survived. Thor, Captain America, Hulk, yeah. Hawkeye, Black Widow, from forgetting somebody, the original five, whatever it was, yep. they, all, they all survived yep. so that they could all work together. And all and everybody else was like, yeah, you guys are, yeah, see you later. But now, so, but now, you know, they have this next generation and there's going to be this next generation that they're building toward, just like they were building toward the original. Yeah. Oh, the Young Avengers. Yeah. Well, yeah. Shang-Chi's going to be part of it. All these guys are going to be. Part of it. I think Shang-Chi is going to be an Avenger. Yeah. I think uh, all the kids like Ms. Marvel and the the the, the kid from Captain America and Winter Soldier, uh, uh, Scarlet Witch's two kids. Um, what's her name? Uh, Ironheart will be in the event in the, in the Young Avengers. Uh, they, they've made it where there's a uh, the, what's her name so from Hawkeye. Ma- they'll be like the A team and the B team. Right. The second Hawkeye from Hawkeye. She'll be in it. So. Yeah, they'll be they they did it in the comics, and they're clearly making uh, Hulk's kid will be in it. They're making young versions of all the Avengers. Thor's little girl now she'll be in the Young Avengers. Thunder, or Love, she's Love, right? So Love will be in the Young Avengers. Every major Marvel character is getting a counterpart, right? In the Young Avengers, yeah, which that might be the oversaturation. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, but it's happening. But see, but that's not the thing. Again, oh, the thing is Fantastic the, Four. He'll be a couple of years. The from thing now. is, make good ones, and you're not going to bother me, right? Like, that's that's the issue. And I mean, Bob Iger said some some disturbing things. He said that uh, he thought the strike was unfortunate. I, I, I thought that was the wrong take. I don't know if you saw what Ted Sarandos, the CEO of Netflix, said about the strike. He was like, he was for the strike. He's like, I hope we can negotiate something because my father was a, a union guy. Like, uh, he 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 understood. You know, I understand he's the he's the other side, but at least he's saying the right things. You know, there's a there's a difference. Bob Iger, you know, criticized the strike. I thought that was pretty bad. Do you see that story about the the hedges? No the hedges at NBC Universal. No, what happened? It was so lame. So, uh, oh oh, the trees by the, the strike. Trees. Yeah, the trees. Yeah, the trees. They, they trimmed the, the trees, trees down. They trimmed, trimmed the trees down so the shade was gone. Um, oh, just well, shameless. And then they got fined by the city for like five hundred bucks. That um, should be a much larger fine, and they should yeah. someone should be going to jail for that. Well, it was on the same weekend that they made the Oppenheimer money, and yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, I just there's there, 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 there's there's things about this. The, the 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 key to the whole thing. I don't know if you've noticed this as well is there is still a plethora of shows being on all these streaming services. My wife and I just watched The Bear. Oh, um, one of the best shows I've seen in a very long time. It's, it's great. I mean, it's it's fantastic. Season two may have been better than season one, and season one was yeah, We're in the middle of ridiculous. season two. Won't say um, anything. No, 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 but, but, but that's my point. Like These the, the shows are great. There's uh, What We Do in the Shadows just came out. Uh, the uh, reservation dogs just came out. 
Um, like this, these shows are uh, coming and coming and coming and coming, coming, coming. Yeah, they're not drying up yet. And well, you, can't, you can't go by the networks because no one's watching network television anyway. And the networks, I just saw NBC, and this is something for the podcast. NBC announced that they got ten episodes of Quantum Leap. They're going to yeah. air it. I was like, wow. Well, if you look at the streaming services, a lot of them are putting movies out that they probably benched that they had no interest in ever releasing because they need content. Sure. So but I, would, I don't think there's a shortage yet. I think there's no still, invincible was just released uh, um, next month. No, no, no. But, but they have a release date. Yeah, yes. Right. They have it. Soka's right. coming out like this. There's, there's, there's still stuff coming out. You haven't seen the domino effect of this yet. Right. Well, the real problem is that because the networks and the streaming services have all this stuff ready to go, they could go six months with content, whereas before people they, on strike... Before they have to go with, with to the bargaining table. People, yeah, people on strike, some of them can't afford their rent. People, That's the thing. People look at the people on strike, because I look at it on social media. Oh, F them. They're rich. They can so let them... If they don't like it, get a different job. Uh, it's about time. They think that everybody is Tom Cruise and, and uh, you know, Robert Downey Jr. making $100 million a film. It's all of the people writing. It's all of the people in the background. It, it's everyone who depends on the – not everybody makes money. Not everybody makes a lot of money. And then to go, well, just get a different job. Why Get a real job. I love that. Get a real job. As if creating and writing and directing and acting is not a real job. Because there's people in this country who think real job means you work with your hands, you go home burnt with burns and cuts and scrapes and smelling like food at restaurants. You know, that's a real job. Not like these jobs will use your brain. No, no, no. no. The, you know, it's been it, it's been very public. And you're in sag after I'm in sag after too. We're not in the negotiation with the movie studios because we have other jobs. But mm -hmm. you have to yeah. you have to make twenty six thousand uh, dollars in a sag after negotiated deal just to qualify for health insurance and 87% of that union did, do not. Right. The, right. And, and I've covered, you know, you, you know, I make no secret about my, my career. I've covered baseball for 26 years. And when I worked for the league, I covered the almost strike in 2002. That was millionaires against billionaires. Right. hundred percent. That I, I understood. Know. This is not that this is no. billionaires against working stiffs. Yeah, Tom Cruise is not on strike. Right. I mean, he is, but he's not on strike for a, a raise. It, right. It's it, look. It, I, we don't have to explain why there's a strike. It's very it's streaming and shorter shows and you know, sure. there's a lot of reasons. But it's not people making you know have money in the bank. It's it's the, everybody else. It's the supporting people and it's it's the part time actor and it's it's the it's the guy who wrote six episodes of a show and then he was out of a job because that's how streaming works as opposed to a 24, 22 episode TV show where you get residuals and rerun money and all that. There's none of that in streaming. So I get it. You, you have to adjust. Look, radio went through the same thing when they started using our voice for the app and then repurposing everything. People renegotiated their contracts. People got, right. got streaming. I got streaming money. I got a, some after went to bat for me and I got money so that they could use my content on a streaming service where they were making more money off of my voice. Right. And and everybody else did as well. They all renegotiated because you have to. Well, that's what happens with technology. And the fact that movie studios want to take an image of someone, own it, and then just use them in the background of every film and not pay for it, that's insanity to me.
Insanity. No, you're absolutely right. I will tell you that I did the exact opposite of you. Uh, I signed a deal with Cinedime in 2015, which was when I was conceptualizing this podcast. I was working for Cinedime and Wizard, and I was hosting these shows called Con TV. And what it was supposed to be was um, was uh, College Game Day, ESPN College Game Day, but at Comic Cons, and we would have like an anchor desk uh, on you know on the on the middle of a Comic Con floor, and instead of like a thousands of uh, Alabama fans, it would be cosplayers and 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 such walking on the thing. It was a really cool idea, and Tubi has the shows. Tubi has the show. So if you go to Tubi and type in Con TV, you'll see my shows. I don't get a penny of that. Mm-hmm. I signed it away in 2015. I didn't know what streaming services were. Right. Netflix was barely streaming. I didn't know. And we did, I think we did 12 of those. And I think four of them are on, on Tubi. I didn't even know Tubi was still. Um... Yeah. Yeah. All right. So the only thing now that I like on Tubi are uh, my old con TV shows and Transformers. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. So my that's your Optimus perfect example. Prime and a dark haired me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that's, uh, I think the streaming services should have realized this was going to happen eventually. The gravy train is over. You know, you're yeah, making well, they all overspent to, to compete. They were trying to compete to get your money. And I cut the cord in 2017. And I was finding that there was more content on these services and that I wasn't watching anything on live TV. And I was finding ways to watch sports. That was it. Yeah, I still have the cord. Hulu Hulu made a deal with uh, the Red Zone for $10. So for $10 from September through December. uh, So 40, 40 bucks a year. I, I I have the red zone. I didn't know that. I will have to sign up for that because yep. DirecTV lost the uh, the Sunday ticket no, as no, of this but, year. But, but DirecTV got the red zone from the NFL, not the Andrew Siciliano one, the Scott Hansen one. I was not aware of that. Yeah. Oh, well, then I, I, I'll have to get it on DirecTV then. That's fine. Yeah. But anyway, uh, there's ways to get sports. Like cord cutters, there's ways to get sports. And There's ways to get everything. I'm lazy. I like my DVRs. I like pausing TV. I like having it auto record. And I still, I'll tell you, the thing I use network television for the most, late night talk shows. Which have been dark since the red. Yes, that's killing me. Yeah. Every night I watch most of the shows and watch the rest of them the next day. Wow. Killing me. That that really? comedy, we're going into a presidential election race. We're not going to have that. Yep. Uh, they got to fix that. They got to fix that fast. That's. Uh, yeah, I don't. I, I, I don't want. Yeah, that's so funny. I don't. That's funny. I don't watch that stuff. Uh, Seinfeld's on Netflix. That's my go to sleep. Okay. It used to be. It used to be Kim's Convenience. Another good show. Yeah. Another great show. Um, next week, by the way. Speaking of. Speaking of great, uh, uh, the guy who plays Appa on uh, Kim's convenience, Paul Sung Young Lee is joining us next week here on the podcast. Nice. His second appearance. Uh, last time he came on, he's such a star Wars nut and he's in the Mandalorian. Uh, all we did was 45 minutes just on star Wars. And I said, you know, at the end of it, I said, we never talked about Kim's convenience and it's such a great show. So he agreed to come back and we're doing a, just a Kim's convenience show. Next Fantastic. Week on the podcast. 
Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. By the way, in the radio industry, what you just did is called a segue into a plug. How about that? Huh? That was beautiful. Professional. Oh, speaking of that actor, I have him on next week. Right. One might think you brought him up just for the plug. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. We were talking about. <laughs> no, I said one might think. I don't think, but one might think. <laughs> David, I could do this with you all day. Again, uh, tell people about the Brooklyn Boys podcast. Yes, available wherever you stream. Uh, it is a podcast with uh, my co-host, Skiri Jones, from the Elvis Duran Morning Show, of which I was a part of uh, as executive producer and comedy writer for 24 years. Yeah. He and I are both from the same neighborhood in Brooklyn, Bensonhurst. Uh, we have a lot of attitude, uh, as you could imagine. And so we do a weekly podcast. We have 263 episodes. I recommend you start from episode zero because everything will make more sense that way. And we talk about life and what happened to us at a restaurant or uh, at the mall, uh, what we saw, news stories, and we take everything from the perspective of a very opinionated Brooklynite. And uh, I think it's a national language. It seems to be. We've been very successful. The same way Seinfeld was a New York show and the whole country loved it. You don't have to be from Brooklyn. Um, I think you'll. It's if you like to laugh and, and uh, like some good tips on how to get uh, take advantage of customer service situations, I think it's a home run. That is David Brody. And again, uh, Secret Invasion is out on Disney Plus, and they are not paying us to say that, but listen, it's good. It's good. Watch it. And uh, who knows? The next thing on Marvel, I believe, is not until November. That is The Marvels. That's what's next for Marvel. David, it's been a pleasure. We'll uh, have you back. We'll do something else. We'll, do, we'll, we'll, have you, we'll have you back on the show. Well, I appreciate that because I didn't talk about Kim's convenience either. So you could have me back on to talk about that. We could, do, we could, do, we could just do, a, do an episode on <laughs> That's David Brody. Don't forget, Paul Sung Young Lee next week on Kim's Convenience. We'll talk to you then. Hey, hey.